Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back. Welcome back. If, have you been listening to the entire series on intuition? If you haven't, and you find pleasure in this particular episode, you may want to go back to episode two after you listen to this episode and begin at the beginning. Now, in the Align Self podcast, we have conversations that make a difference, that make a difference for your life, your experience of life, accessing the greater depths of your mind, mind mastery, subconscious mind, conscious awareness, accessing the higher reaches of your potential, So while the focus has been on intuitive guidance, accessing intuitive wisdom, we are going to be talking about many, many other things. So you may be asking, why did I begin with intuition if there's so many other topics that we could be talking about? Well, in the early 90s, I had an opportunity to ask Wayne Dyer a question. You see, I had actually first experienced Wayne Dyer at the Ford Auditorium downtown Detroit in 1979. And he was part of a a collection of motivational speakers. And it was actually my first experience of listening to something like that. It was like a complete download of positivity. With Wayne Dyer, Zig Ziglar, uh, Dennis Waitley, uh, Victor Cavett, and many others that I don't even remember their names. But I remember the messages. And I remember how I felt afterwards. So when I had an opportunity to see Wayne Dyer at the Church of Today down in Warren, I took advantage of it, even though at the time it was about a two-hour drive on a Sunday morning. And by the time I got there, the place was already packed, and I found a spot in the very, very back. I don't even remember specifically what he talked about. My whole purpose was to just ask him a question. And I finally made my way to him as he shook hands with people and received gratitude and thank you for, you know, all the work you've done. And and I told him when I first saw him, and I forget a lot of the other stuff I asked him, but I said, if I were to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give me? And he said, oh, that's simple. Live your life from inner signals. And he added, that's me passing the torch. Those aren't my words. That's what Abraham Maslow told me. Live your life from inner signals. And that advice has led me down a path of deepening my connection with my intuitive guidance. And at first, you know, those early years, it did seem somewhat cumbersome. Today, though, it's just an integral part of my day-to-day life that I don't even think about what is intuitive guidance and what, you know, is my imagination what is just a result of my thinking, as long as it feels aligned with all that is, with my higher self, my inner being, so to speak, I can trust it. And I recognize it as coming from the other than conscious. Now, the other than conscious is a term coined by one of my former teachers, Dave Dobson, Dr. Dave Dobson. And he talked about, you know, you have your conscious mind and then you have the other aspect a lot of the people were referring to it as the subconscious. Earlier in psychology, they referred to it as the unconscious. And he thought it's certainly not unconscious. And in the terms subconscious, it's not lower than 
the conscious mind. In fact, the subconscious aspect is actually a greater, has a greater command over your life than the conscious mind. So he coined the term conscious and other than conscious. And for me, over the years, this whole idea of other than conscious also includes, you know, intuitive guidance, super consciousness, the infinite mind. And for me, in thinking of it in those terms, it takes the limits off of where this information is coming from and actually gives it more credence and more accessibility to my day-to-day life. But in uh, this episode, I want to talk about deepening your connection to your intuition through sensuality. Now, intuitive information can be perceived predominantly in three ways, visually, auditorily, and kinesthetically, or sensation. And people, by and large, think in predominantly one of the three. Just like you're right-handed or left-handed, we have a preferred sense in which we engage with our day-to-day life, the world with. And, you know, my first one is visual. And there was a time when I heavily leaned on my visual channel to receive and disseminate information. Auditory was a strong second. But it wasn't until I began studying the field of neurolinguistic programming, NLP, back in um, 1988, when I really got to my core that I needed to develop all the channels of thinking. But I didn't arrive at that conclusion until I had an eye-opening experience. It was during my uh, 21-day intensive NLP training in Princeton, and we were engaged in an exercise called walking in someone else's moccasins. The structure of the exercise was that we were to have person A and person B. Person A was to walk ahead, and person B was to walk behind about 10 to 15 paces. And as person B would follow person A, you were to model and mimic their body posture, their rate of their speed of walking, how they held their body, what they stopped and looked at, what they did. And there must have been some profound wisdom on who they matched me with, because I don't think you could have picked a person more antithetical to the way I ran my brain than this guy, Mark. And I'm just using his name, Mark, because I can't remember specifically. Sorry, forgive me. Uh, I can't remember specifically what his name was, but he was a healer. He was a massage therapist. He just moved through the world completely differently than I did. I was highly visual. I talked fast. I moved fast. I, you know, I had a very quick pace. And Mark was um, a lot more relaxed. And um, he would talk about things in a, a different way. And he was highly kinesthetic. And it was probably my least developed sensory skill. So I followed him first. And as I'm following him, he's stopping and touching things. There was a a marketplace, you know, a series of shops, and they had some tables out front, and there was a table filled with clothes, and he would stop and actually feel the fabric of all the different clothes. And now when I would follow behind him, I felt it, but I don't, I, I know I wasn't completely present. I was thinking like, what the hell is this about? And... I was resistant. I was really resistant to really stepping in his shoes and following him. 
you know, to the exact degree, but we lumbered along and I can remember just thinking how awful this felt to me. And then of course, when we switched roles, I quickened up the pace. I was looking here. I'd stop and look at things. He was always touching things and feeling things. And I can remember in the back of my mind thinking that I was really going to show him what it was like to engage in the world. I mean, on a different level. (laughs) So, you know, my pace was really quick and he could barely keep up. And in we were when we were unpacking it later back in the classroom, the two facilitators, Nancy and Sonny, uh, were leading the questions. Now, Sonny was this beautiful swan-like creature. Uh, I think she was like 5'9", blonde, piercing blue eyes. The features similar to Morgan Fairchild gives you an, an idea. And she asked me about my experience. And I started recounting how distasteful it was to follow Mark. And I, I would say, like, he lumbered along and... You know, his posh, he was like a rag doll walking and he would stop and touch things. And I would like, you could hear the disdain in my voice. And Sonny just looked at me and said, how dare you? And she looking at like right through my soul with those crystal blue eyes. And she said, how dare you? And I was shocked. How dare you judge another person's experience of life? How dare you Pretend that your way of viewing the world is superior to his. I want you to apologize to him. And I was shocked. I don't think anyone had ever talked to me quite like that. And I realized in that moment that I was being completely judgmental, completely biased in my perception. And I turned to Mark and said, oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how blind I was. Uh, I don't know what to say. And he's like, don't worry about it. And Sonny was like, no, you take this lesson to heart. Don't you ever do that again. And frankly, I haven't, at least not to that degree. I still have been judgmental on occasion, but I catch myself. I do catch myself because the feeling, the, the, the internal kinesthetic, now this is something new. I have an internal feeling. I have an internal feeling that is unpleasant when I do that. And I just can't live with it. So I have to rectify it. But it was that experience and a couple other experiences that really made me present to the fact that I did not have a working vocabulary for my feelings, for the sensations in my body. Predominantly, I moved through life with two responses when someone had asked me how I was doing. Actually, I would say good or super good. Now, that does lead to you feeling overall having the experience of feeling pretty good most of the time because you don't entertain those other ideas. But it also leads you into experiences where you will tolerate a less than desirable situation because you just make it okay. Like, I'll be okay with it. So having my eyes opened to the kinesthetic world that I understood now that there was a a whole lot of variety to the sensations and feelings and textures and nuances in this world of perception. So I began by utilizing the things that I had learned from Mark. I began touching things. I began smelling things. I would feel the texture. And was it smooth? Was it rough? 
Was it soft? Was it heavy? Was it light? And as I began to touch things and, and engage with the different aspects of my environment, I would close my eyes to shut down that channel and amplify the kinesthetic aspect. In my mind, I would pretend, you know, with the, I would play with the idea that if I was blind, how would I differentiate between this item and that item? In my mind's eye, through touch, I would create an image based on the size, the texture, the roughness, any unusual markings. For instance, I don't know if you are aware of this, but U.S. coinage is made up of different sizes, different textures, and different weights. For instance, a quarter has a serrated edge, and so does the dime. Now, the dime is roughly the same size as a penny, so a penny has a smooth edge, but a, a dime is actually thinner and lighter than a penny. Once you begin picking up on that, you can actually feel the difference. You put your hand in your pocket or carry, you know, hold some coins in your, your hand. Now, this is really only for those of you that live in the United States, but the coinage was designed that way so you could make out what the coins were, whether or not you could see or not. Okay, so with, without diving too deep into the weeds, I'll just say that I began experiencing the world sensationally through my sense of touch. Now, a distinct aspect of neurolinguistic programming is the use of submodalities. Now, if we have different modes or modalities of perceiving the world, which is basically our five senses, visually, auditorily, kinesthetic, we predominantly think in these three, how we begin to quantify these essentially subjective experiences or modalities is by using adjectives as subcomponents of a particular modality. So let's say you have a visual field and someone says that I, I make a picture in my head. So the questions that I would ask, is it a movie or is it still frame? Is it panoramic, meaning that it goes in all directions? Or is it more of a, a picture, very defined space? Is it up close? Is it far away? Is it in color or black and white? Is it focused, defocused? So you get the idea. By looking at the different aspects of a visual image, we begin to create some control around that. And we'll do a deep dive down the road on visualization, which utilizes these submodalities. But in the arena of kinesthetics or sensations, for me, really opened up this whole aspect of a kinesthetic world by adopting the vocabulary or the submodalities of kinesthetics. So when you have a feeling or a sensation, is it sharp or dull? Does it have a location? Where in your body is it located? Is it pulsating, throbbing, constant? Does it have a temperature? Is it warm? Is it cool? Is it cold? Does it have color? You know, some feelings have color. This is kind of a synesthesia where there's a, a, a mixing of two separate modalities. And then is it rough? Is it smooth? You get the idea. And I, the list is long. And I'll make available a list of kinesthetic submodalities that you can play with and just begin asking questions to hone in on intuitive urgings, intuitive sensations. Ah, I bet you were wondering how does this all tie into intuitive guidance? So understand, and from an earlier uh, podcast, in fact, podcast too, I talk about the different sensations and how they occur primarily between the belly button and throat. 
And when they show up through this questioning process of, is it soft? Is it sharp? What's the location? Is it, you know, expansive? Is it contraction? You can get more and more distinct about what a particular urging or feeling is. And then once you identify it through these submodalities, when it shows up again, oh, it has more meaning to you. See, a lot of people in the intuitive world will just say, it really feels heavy today, or it feels dense, or, you know, they don't really differentiate. Is this me or is it somebody else? You know, where is this coming from? How, how dense is it? Is it in your belly? Is it in your shoulder? Is it, you know, where is it occurring in your, in your body? These little distinctions make a huge difference in interpreting what's going on. Honing in on all these little distinctions through the kinesthetic aspect, the auditory aspect, or the visual aspect gives you sensory acuity, which if you're a coach or a practitioner of NLP, you'll really want to develop this ability to have the acuity of your senses where you have clean sensory channels and you can actually see things, hear things, and feel things that other people don't have access to. Now, over the years, I've worked really hard on myself in developing the different modalities so I can be somewhat uh, flexible in how I interact with the world. I'm deeply feeling-oriented. But that really didn't happen until I was in my early 30s, where I really gained, gained command over that. And I'm, I, I apologize to my first wife because I realized that there was a, a, a certain amount of emotional uh, expression that just wasn't there, that just wasn't available to me. I felt it, but I downplayed it. I didn't have a way of talking about it. And again, through really focusing on the different submodalities of the kinesthetic experience, the feeling experience, my intuition got sharper, clearer, to the point where I could really get a handle on it, and I knew inside I had an inner confirmation of what exactly was going on at any given moment. Okay, so what I want to leave you with is a few things that you can do or begin practicing in your own life to increase your access to a kinesthetic experience and embrace your sensuality. Now, just be aware that not only will this give you greater access to your intuitive guidance, but it also have, has ramifications to other areas of your life, your romantic life, your sex life, your just your experience from day to day. You can walk outside and close your eyes and breathe in, smell the air, feel the temperature. Are you sensing the breeze out there? What sounds do you hear? Do you hear birds? Do you hear traffic? Do you like, tune into the different uh, aspects or different information that's coming through your senses? Something else I've done is intentionally, and this is being in the moment, but really getting the sensual aspect of washing your hands. Now, I did this long before 2020, but in washing your hands, you know, take the soap, put it in your hands. Run the water, make sure it has the appropriate temperature that you want. It can be too warm, it can be cold, but just be aware of the temperature. Be aware of the water flowing over your hands. Be very present to concertedly and deliberately, 
you know, scrubbing your hands, running your fingers over each hand, and just be completely present to that entire experience. It takes all of a minute, two minutes. And if you're really doing it effectively, wash your hands for 15 minutes, which is a whole new experience. I've washed my hands as if I was going in for surgery. I've gotten a nice stiff brush, and I would scrub the inside, outside, the fingernails, everything, in a very deliberate fashion. And you can carry this into the shower. How do you wash your body? Which body part do you begin with first? Begin with a different body part in order just to bring yourself into the present moment. And then work your way around and be very deliberate in your washing. And then use a washcloth or a brush and vigorously, but not too vigorously, to where you rub off layers of skin, but you want to kind of gently exfoliate your body and bring circulation to the forefront. It will change your experience of your shower if you don't currently do this. Another thing to do that is fun to do with a partner is uh, have your partner prepare a half a dozen different food items, all somewhat different. And you sit blindfolded and you smell it and you taste it, the texture, and your job is to guess what it is. In selecting the food items, make sure that they have different textures and different smells, different uh, flavors. This practice educates uh, your mind and your conscious awareness on a whole new level. If you've never done this, you must do this. In fact, uh, if with your partner, change places because the experience is completely different for both of you. So this experience educates your sense awareness, amplifies your conscious awareness of the different sensations that you encounter on a day-to-day basis. And uh, the food tasting thing, the blindfolded, uh, engaging in sensual play with a partner could lead to even more sensual play (laughs) in other ways. So it has an upside. Again, it not only informs your conscious awareness around intuition, but it also informs your experience and interaction with the rest of your life because it increases the capacity that you have to observe and notice texture and the subtle nuances that make up the fabric of life. So earlier I mentioned that I would make available uh, the list of some modalities for the kinesthetic experience. Uh, I'll also... I guess I'll make available some different things, activities, exercises that you can engage in to uh, explore the sensuality of life, raising your awareness, your conscious awareness of this whole dimension of being a human and how that translates to intuition. So you can find that at yesdaniel.com backslash one five, numeral one five. So it's yesdaniel.com backslash 15. And I'll make it easy for you. There will be a link uh, to that page in the show notes. In addition to the the list of kinesthetic uh, submodalities, I'll also have access to the model that I mentioned of consciousness, that my model of consciousness and the superconscious and how intuition works and that the different levels of awareness, that will also be available there. And before we go... And before I go, I would like to invite you to participate in our Facebook group, the 
Align Self Podcast Listeners Facebook group in case you haven't already joined us. Uh, there we can talk deeper as you can ask questions about intuition, about the different podcast episodes, interact with other people from around the world. We have a growing membership in the Facebook group, and I look forward to meeting you there. So this is Daniel Danovi, and I'm encouraging you to follow your bliss and live the epic adventure. Mm-hmm.